I'm Will Leonard, and you're watching the Rugby Channel. That's what is it? First of all, that's not loud, <laughs> and second, it's the Rugby Wrap Up Channel. The rugby Wrap Up Channel. One yeah. action. I'm Will Leonard, and you're watching the Rugby Wrap Up Channel. Oh. <laughs> Next on MLR Weekly, Rugby New York General Manager Stephen Lewis, Major League Rugby headlines with John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning, and MLR rumors plus news on players in the Rugby World Cup by Brian Ray of America's Rugby News. <laughs> rugby Wrap-Ups MLR Weekly brought to you by Sheehy Auto Stores. It's easy at Sheehy. The Pig & Whistle, New York City. The world's best rugby pub. And Lean and Limber. Stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. presented by Rugby Rap on Matt McCarthy back home in New York City. Am I sad that I had to leave France and Paris? You bet. World, Rugby World Cup was awesome over there, but I'm happy to be home and happy to say that we have a great show for you this week. We have Mr. Stephen Lewis, the general manager of Rugby New York, who was over in France with me, and we'll be talking about some stuff tying the MLR and the Rugby World Cup together. We also have Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News with his MLR, Major League Rugby stuff, and before we get to any of that, we have our recurring segment, Rugby Morning's Coffee Break, with John Fitzpatrick. John, how are you? Welcome back. What do you got? Hey, Mac, I got a quick question before we begin. What is the best rugby pub in the USA? Oh, the Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street in New York City. Next! All righty, let's move right on to Chicago Hounds. The signings, re-signings. They have re-signed Captain America, Bryce Campbell, who returns for the 2024 MLR season. At they have signed Georgian international prop Zarabi Zavania. Georgia, they just breed props there. Great pickup by Chicago. Chicago's had a good offseason. Next, the San Diego Legion, they are retooling for another run at the MLR Shield. They have re signed Christian Poitavin through the 2026 MLR season. Poitavin, one of the better young players, he's still a young player in the league. And he is American eligible. Next. Nola Gold. They have re-signed back rower Malcolm May for the 2024 MLR season. Let's not forget his uncle Mark May was part of the Hogs, the Washington Redskins or Commanders offensive line. Next. How about the one that got away for Old Glory DC? Hooker Nick Suchan is going to play with the Utah Warriors for the 2024 MLR season. Big get for Utah. Yeah, Sushi, good player, uh, on and off the pitch, a good acquisition. But I'm sure Old Glory has something figured out. Next! How about the New England Free Jacks? Not a player signing, but they brought in a new assistant coach, Tom Simona. You may remember him. He was uh, coaching down with the Melbourne Rebels. Big get for the New England Free Jacks. Mate, he was with the Melbourne, Ma Melbourne Rebels, mate. Next! Konnichiwa, mate. Matt, that is all I got. This was more of an espresso, wouldn't you say? Yeah, this was nice. It was nice. It was succinct. It was to the point. You did well. Thank you, John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning's Coffee Break. We'll be back with Mr. Steve Lewis, the general manager of Rugby New York, after these words. 
Need a great price on a new vehicle? Sheehy makes it easy. Easy Price shows you our lowest prices on the Mid-Atlantic's largest selection. Find your best price online or at any of our 31 dealerships. It's easy at Sheehy. Sheehy.com. I'm Onati Akwey from Rugby New York Ironworkers, and you're watching MLR Weekly. You need your cleats? You need them tomorrow? If you order today by 3 p.m. New York time or noon L.A. time, they can have them to you tomorrow. Young, old, male, female, if you're playing on turf, if you're playing on grass, if you're playing in the rain, you're playing in the heat, they've got you covered. RugbyNow.com. Go there now. And we're back with Rugby New York General Manager Stephen Lewis. Stephen, always good to see you. How are you? Excellent. How are you doing, my friend? I, I am wonderful. I'm wonderful. Welcome back to MLR Weekly. Uh, and full disclosure, Steve, uh, we were traveling companions somewhat in Paris for the Rugby World Cup. And as a result, I wanted to tie in that experience with the MLR stuff that's going on. And one thing in particular, this whole bunker thing, you know, the referees uh, making a call on the field and not having to review it constantly with a stoppage of time and rather go to a bunker that can rule in 10 minutes and come back. Uh, we've seen this thing work and we've seen it fail miserably. I'm just wondering, is this being considered a bandied about by the MLR? And what are your thoughts on the bunker overall? Well, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? And I think um, in terms of speeding the game up, it was certainly worth the try. But as you have alluded to, it is, it's been a complete failure. Um, essentially what it does, it's really a cop-out for referees now. And you, you will never see a referee giving a red card ever again unless there's attempted murder on the field. Um, so basically the default to the bunker, bunker has more angles, but you're still not addressing the critical issue, which is the inconsistency around decisions. So well-intentioned, um, but I don't think it's worked. With regard to the MLR, I don't believe those conversations have been had yet. Um, and I also believe unlikely, given the extra manpower personnel required and uh, technical expertise. So I'm not sure we would have the resources or the bandwidth to do that in MLR, even were it to be considered a good idea. That is a valid, valid point, because we've just basically uh, been able to handle the TMO. So the required cameras that would be required by the bunker to actually do it somewhat correctly uh, would likely be prohibitive. But we do have a change in the uh, hierarchy or the overseer of the referees in MLR, right? Yeah, that's correct. I think there's a change in uh, referee manager, but um, not decided or announced yet. But um, there, there is a change, yeah. So they've got bigger fish to fry in terms of uh, allocating resources, and maybe the bunker will not be something that we'll have to complain about in the upcoming season. And we don't need anything to complain about, really. Let's let's think. Let's keep it positive. Lots um, of things to complain about. We don't need to add another one. Yeah. Yeah. No. You know. But I, I keep go. I keep defaulting to uh, whenever we're complaining about something is that we're complaining about professional rugby in the United States going into its seventh season, which is just remarkable. You consider where we were in 2015, even before the first iteration Pro Rugby USA, which in which you were the general manager of five teams. That's correct. That's correct. Still, professional rugby still is in its infancy in the States. And, you know, it's, uh, what is it? The, you know, the arc of the moral universe is a long one, but it bends towards justice. Well, same with professional rugby, right? It's it's a long, 
It's a long one, but it's going in the right direction. Oh, you're good. You are good. You are good. All right. So let, let's put the screws to you a little bit. Um, you were over there, and although it was a lot of fun, it was also business, networking, observing. Uh, any scouting stuff like you see in the MLR potential pool for you guys or maybe the league? Uh, any, what are the whispers on the ground? Realistically, you know, uh, the major nations, the, 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 those those players are out of our out of our league, right? In terms of price, um, they're making much bigger money in all the established leagues. So, so where you're looking or where where there are possibilities are what's called the tier two countries. Though, really don't like that terminology, but you know there are lots of good players: Uruguay, Chile, Portugal. Those are the sort of players that actually do come across your desk and are probably of the right sort of profile and price range for MLR teams. And the, the reality is, you know, I, I can watch games, I watch games all the time, but it's essentially agents, and they just hit you with lists and lists and lists of players. So everybody's pretty much seen the same lists. Everyone sees the same players. Um, and that's more how you understand who's available rather than me watching Uruguay and Namibia. All right, so... We have the border thing with Canada where we deemed Canadian players domestic. Is there any rumor or is there any chatter about potentially making South American teams or Central American teams domesticated? Not that I know of. Um, one slight wrinkle that there is a proposal um, about collegiate players who've come through the American scholastic system, which would make a lot of sense. Um, so that's sort of been proposed and is being discussed, but that I don't think is going to happen this year. The season has shifted for the MLR this season. We're pushing back. What is it, two weeks? I think it's actually three weeks. So it's first weekend in March uh, with the end of the regular season in June, an additional round of playoffs. And then I think the final is early August. Um, you've also got an international test window in there. U.S. are going to have a couple of games in that, in that gap towards the end in July. So yeah, so, slightly two, two, three weeks um, later. Will the league shut down for that window? That's uh, that's playoffs anyway. So they, they're built, they built in, um, believe it or not, MLR does talk with USA rugby. So there's been some cooperation in that regard. So the, the idea of course, is that we absolutely want us to be playing games and we want them to be playing with our players and the best players available to the us. So it's in everyone's interest to um, sync your schedule or sync your calendar. Okay. So I'm, I'm a little bit slow. Is that, does that mean that the MLR will have downtime and then allow for the USA games? Yeah, so there, there are there's some playoffs, and then there are a couple of spare weeks where the U.S. are playing. Then there's the another round of playoffs to the final. Oh, so it splits the playoffs. Yeah, it's during the playoff portion of the season. Oh, that's interesting. That's Not interesting. In the regular season. All right, and you also have a, a, a byproduct of the shift in the schedule that you won't have access to some players from New Zealand. Um. To a certain extent, yeah, because because it's shifted three weeks later, that sort of does doesn't quite dovetail as perfectly as it did previously with uh, the Bunnings Cup, the ITM uh, competition. So yeah, so some players are, will have to choose uh, either either if they're playing MLR, they they would have to leave at the sharp end of the season to go to do preseason New Zealand, 
or potentially miss the start of the New Zealand season. So it depends whether clubs A will allow that. Um, but it, it what it does is it forces those players to make decisions. So previously you could have a, you know, as, as a player, you could have one bite at the cherry with MLR and another with the New Zealand season. So you could get two gigs. Um, now that's more problematic. And but it's only New Zealand, right? So it's only going to affect New Zealand players, um, of which, of course, New York, they've got a heavy New Zealand influence and Free Jacks and a couple of others. So, yes, yeah, it's definitely a factor. But, you know, the global rugby calendar, is, as we know, is extremely difficult and every everyone is trying to sort it out. Um, so to get perfect sort of alignment between leagues is, is very tricky. Yeah. Well, you've got different weathers and systems and time zones and all that. Do you think there'll be a global calendar? Yeah. I mean, uh, with regard to test rugby, with international rugby, right? So, I mean, you, you see these various proposals about the, the World League and um, whether they, there is a debate there whether that's actually good for the growth of rugby. But, you know, you're going to have a North and South Hemisphere competition, sort of uh, whatever it is, 12 teams. Um, you're going to have a second tier, again, of international competition. You're going to see... The um, they haven't been announced yet, so I'm probably shouldn't be discussing. But there's going to be a lot more international rugby. For instance, the Eagles are, are looking to get around nine, ten, eleven games, which is exactly what we need. You need competition yeah. to improve. Are you in favor of more teams in the Rugby World Cup or less teams in the Rugby World Cup? More. How many? I, I think the next step is 24. Really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not worried about uh, teams getting blown out by 150 points rather than just 80? No, but uh, I think, A, you, you, you've got to fix that. That's a different problem with a different solution, which is to give those teams more support and more fixtures between World Cups. But in terms of, if you, if you go to 24, you would go to six pools of four, right? So you, you don't have the attrition for, the, say, weaker teams who don't have the same depth. Um, so, you know, if they're, you know, Namibia cop three, four injuries, then they're really struggling and they have to play four pool games. So th- that gets dissipated. It, it also um, spreads that um, across the pool. So I, I, don't, I don't think, I think the answer is to make these teams better and not to, to try and mitigate it through numbers. Um, I just feel selfishly uh, as an American rugby fan and supporter that, um, you know, they're, they're also pretty conscious that the United States has got to make the next World Cup, right? They can't go eight or 12 years before hosting it without being in it. And I, and I think you look at the success of Portugal, Chile and Uruguay. You know, US, Canada should also be there too. Brazil, perhaps. So I, I think there's enough time um, for that to be effective, to, to expand it. But shouldn't we earn it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You've got me thinking in a different way now because I was uh, I was coming in thinking we should have 16 teams rather than, than 20. Yeah, but, but, so are we trying to grow the game or are you just trying to have um, a competitive tournament for the powers, the established powers that remain established powers? At some stage, if we, if we believe in it as a global sport and we not just pay lip service to it, if you want to grow the game, you have to involve... Uh, international teams and more international teams. It can't just be the Six Nations and Rugby Championship dominating. Um, you look what Fiji nearly did to England. You look what Samoa nearly did to England. Think what they might have done if they'd had any support. Okay. All right. Well, final thoughts, Stephen? Two fantastic court. Uh, well, actually, 
three fantastic quarterfinals, um, just matches for the ages, right? Probably two of the best five games ever played. Could have gone either way. Great results. The only shame is that they they've happened too soon and that too too early in the tournament. Those were really semi-finals. Yeah. Um, but you've got to celebrate the fact that it, they were a spectacle. If you if you were a and every pub in New York was jammed yesterday, stout, pig and whistle, the amount of people watching rugby and watching two exciting classic test matches like that is fantastic. The key is how do you get them out to watch New York and New England, et cetera, et cetera. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Thank you, Mr. Stephen Lewis of Rugby New York. Thank you, Matt. We'll be right back with Brian Ray of America's Rugby News right after this. Hey, rugby wrap-up. Oh, parfait. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. This is the Rugby Odds, where an unlikely pundit panel of a wordsmith, a WWE legend, a rugby star, and a supermodel scour the globe, seeking best bets and bad behavior. Are you not entertained? back and we're back again with mr brian ray of america's rugby news brian welcome back to mlr weekly and welcome back to uh north america there mr mccarthy thank you sir thank you it's good to be back uh bienvenue they said to, nobody said that to me when i came in so it doesn't matter but brian it hasn't been an easy week for you no it's been a stressful one and i think for a lot of canadian rugby fans the news that Kingsley Jones has been extended by two years, despite six years of colossal failure. So, uh, yeah, Canadian rugby uh, just keeps on chugging. What's your gripe? He has failed at every turn. Everything he's done. He, you know, uh, what did he do? He he failed at the 2019 World Cup. Okay, tough opposition. Didn't get to play in Namibia. That's fair. However, reviews from senior players after that tournament were not good. Kept with him, failed to qualify for this World Cup, record failures against numerous teams. I mean, if anybody can point to any success, I have heard comments that he's been good with the, you know, the young uh, developing coaches that he that have had the opportunity to work with him out in Victoria. But is that a reason to keep a guy as the head coach of a national team? I, I don't think so. I. I I just think that change in that program was desperately needed and uh, we didn't get it. All right. So I have two questions. A, is it incumbent on the coach with the mess that's, that is rugby Canada or executive offices? What would, you know, I'm just comparing, comparing it to the United States and we're both kind of in the same boat. We don't have the results that we wanted. So you, is it all at the feet of Kingsley Jones? No, clearly not. I mean, obviously, 
Uh, Rugby Canada is a disaster as an organization, and this only goes to underline that uh, that fact. Uh, and, and look, rugby rugby in Canada has never really adapted to professionalism. I and mean, when we just got the arrows, you know, uh, they're only just kind of coming through in the last few years. So obviously there's a lot to do, but that doesn't absolve Kingsley from any responsibility at all. He still picks the team. He still coaches the team. And performances have just not been even remotely good enough, even for the, you know, for whatever shortcomings we've had, we've done worse than than that. So I, I just, I don't see any, anything, anything from the last few years that suggests to me that he is the answer moving forward, like Rugby Canada seems to think, unless maybe he's got a really cheap price tag. But frankly, if we're going to lose with Kingsley, why don't we lose with a Canadian coach? You know, I just... I don't understand any argument whatsoever for, for, for keeping him in charge. Okay, and, and you know, indirectly and directly, this could have an impact on the Arrows in the MLR. Well, I think it has a direct impact on Canadian rugby. Canadian rugby fans are tired of accepting, you know, poor standards. You know, at least, you know, if we have some coach who's at least got like a passionate, really driving and getting the right place, players don't even want to play for this guy. You know, some of the administration are out there defending, oh, no, that's not the case. No, it is the case. Some of our best athletes do not want to play for that team. It's obvious. I mean, just look at the selections, the guys who aren't turning up. Uh, you know, and, and that affects the whole country. The whole country looks at this and just thinks Rugby Canada, you know, just accepts losing. Rugby Canada is saying today that performance doesn't actually matter. You know, and, and that affects people across the country. They start to say, ah, you know what, I don't even care. I don't even care about this team and the sport anymore. It affects the players. Maybe some guys, you know, from the sevens team, which unfortunately, you know, have a really tough time of making the Olympics. Now the odds are not great, but you know, maybe some of those guys would say, Hey, I'd really like to turn out a little bit more, you know, direct a little bit more time to MLR or 15s, you know, and, and they're not going to, why do they want to play for this team? That's, you know, that's just completely underperforming all the time. and has a bad environment. You know, I, it just doesn't send the right message. I feel your pain, but all right, let's let's switch gears. Let's get away from it now. I want you to calm down. I want you to think of a nice Tim Hortons donut. I want you to get a little bit more of a smile on your face. All right. Is that maybe a nice Coca-Cola? Because I know that you like a Coca-Cola, right? What's your take on what happened in the uh, Rugby World Cup this week? Oh, exciting games all around. All four quarterfinals, uh, you know, very closely Contested. I mean, that Ireland-New Zealand game, absolutely, you know, uh, spectacular. Argentina with a great win over over Wales that was uh, really closer than the, the scoreline uh, kind of showed. Um, you know, you got to give it to this guy, Tomas Cabelli, heading to MLR, uh, starting for Argentina. He certainly, uh, you know, had a great win for them. So that's really fantastic to see. England versus Wales, probably the stinker of the week. Or Sorry, England versus Fiji. England versus Fiji, probably the stinker of the weekend. Oh. But, uh, you know, Fiji making it close. Uh, I, I think a lot of people kind of disappointed with the refereeing interpretations. And I, I don't disagree. At the same time, I don't think Fiji were at their best for large stretches of that game. Uh, and then we get that amazing game between France and South Africa. The French fans <laughs> howling about uh, the referee. I didn't see it the same way as a couple calls disagreed with. But... France made mistakes in that game as well. So, uh, you know, I'm just glad that they were all close and competitive. And, uh, you know, I, I think heading into the weekend, people thought that two of those games, which are quite obvious, really should have been semifinals. I also agree on that. But 
but hey, what, what can you do? So hopefully these semifinals are closer than and people are kind of uh, thinking they might turn out to be. And, you know, it looks like it'll be the two best teams playing against each other in the final after all with New Zealand and South Africa, barring some meteor hitting the stadium and only hitting one team, right? Uh, figuratively, of course, folks, so save your letters and your Reddit comments. But going back to your adopted team, the Pumas, uh, the number four with his shoulder right to the head of the 12 from Wales, and and, and they review it, and it's all okay. I mean, and then they send the guy out for an HIA. I thought it was the correct call. Oh, uh, I think Carl Dixon, the referee, has gotten a lot of stick. Uh, I certainly, ha- you know, have questioned some of his performance. I got, I think you got that call 100% right. You, Look what you, Patty's you doing. Get He's your glasses fixed, Ray. No, no, no. I, I think if you, you know, and, and maybe World Rugby would say, hey, you know, that's not in accordance with what we're doing. I think it was absolutely the correct call. That wasn't oh. a that wasn't a card. He's going in for a clear out. Guy slips down. It's just a rugby collision. No, no horse hockey. Yeah. No, uh, that's uh, what about Farrell's knock on? Uh, yeah, that that's in, in complete agreement. I mean, he, he threw his hand out one hand. We all know at this stage, how long have we been doing this? We, we know that if you throw one hand out and you knock the ball forward, that's a, that's a penalty. He didn't get a yellow card. He should have so. gotten a yellow. Okay. Oh, okay. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what um, I'm turning into Seinfeld now. Okay. I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think there was room to maybe pull out a yellow card because there was the potential of the line break on the outside. Uh, but I can also see the other, you know, kind of argument that uh, you know, maybe there was maybe there wasn't enough space or whatever. At least you got the penalty, right? Um, you know, yellow card debatable, but at least you got the penalty. Okay, well, you know, I, I am just so disheartened right now. Let's talk MLR. What do you got for us? Well, uh, you know, a few interesting signings over the past uh, few days. I'm sure you guys have covered. I hear there's some guys heading to New York. Can, can you maybe enlighten us on, on some of these players that are coming? I, I, I what do you hear? What do you hear? Because I'm not from around the Pacific. From the Pacific, some players heading up. Maybe uh, players who have worn the the black jersey before. What, what do you think? Uh, I I I don't I'm the last one to get any New York information right now because of what's going on with the ownership change and everything else. Uh, they're trying to figure out whether they trust me or not. Um, so, and Steve Lewis, who I was in France with, won't tell me anything. So, share with me what you got. Yeah, I have to say I don't believe you, but uh, and, and and you know what? I'm not going to be the one to break it on this show. I'm not going to be the one to do it. Right. Uh, I will say that there are some players. Of of that rugby Dan fans Carter will recognize Dan Carter, Richie Caw- McCaw coming out of retirement to suit up for the Iron Workers in MLR 2024. You heard it here first. There you go. All right, beautiful, beautiful. What else you got for us, Brian? <laughs> well, this Coca Cola is absolutely delicious. <laughs> How do I know that's not Pepsi? No, you don't have to prove it. Don't worry oh. about it. Brian, final thoughts. Well, uh, you know, not really MLR related, but just a shout out to the women's Eagles who got uh, the win in the W15, uh, their, their first game against uh, Samoa. Um, you know, probably weren't too happy with the last 20 minutes of that game, but overall, uh, you know, pretty strong for showing up uh, down there and, and 
in putting a, a fairly new team with, of course, coaching changes and everything. And a special shout out to Mata Hingano, who won her first test cap, and I thought was superb in the midfield. Uh, played a, you know, scored once and set up two tries. So uh, great debut for her and a, a great, uh, a good win for the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. A win's a win for USA Rugby at this point. And uh, kudos to you for being our, our, our caring neighbor to the north. I'm here. I'm here for you. <laughs> and we are here for you, Brian, but we are out of time right now. And on that note, I want to thank Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News, Mr. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning, Steve Lewis, General Manager of Rugby New York, and thank you for tuning in. Please check out our other shows, including the critically acclaimed The Rugby Odds, College Rugby Wrap-Up. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Please sign up for our weekly newsletter, and please join our American Red Cross blood donor team. 